Welcome to the production line with Time PK. I'm your host, and today is episode number six. And I'm going to be chatting with Wellington producer, vocalist, and artist Anna Edgington, also known by her artist alias Eddie. Anna's worked with the likes of Neil McLeod, Pacific Heights, Ricky Gooch, and Brian Sheehan, along with many others who she's produced. Today, I'm going to chat with Anna a bit about her career, how she got into music, as well as some production tips and tricks. Then we're going to have a deep dive into one of her favourite sessions. I hope you'll all enjoy. Okay, cool. Well, shall we get into it? Cool. Well, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Tan, for having me. You're very privileged. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you about your production and what you've been up to and how you got to where you are today, like how you got into production. Yeah, cool. Um... So should I tell you my life story? Yeah, I'd love to hear about how you got into it. Like, what was the first um, point of entry for music for you? Yeah, so um, I started musical life as a vocalist. Um, okay. And I, I've been singing since I was a kid and um, always really, really loved music and loved sound. Um, I didn't quite realise how much I love sound and how much I heard in sound compared to a lot of other people. Um, I just thought it was quite normal. Um, and, yeah, and so I, I was always singing and I was always singing in harmony with friends in the playground and um, always making songs as a kid. And so I took that a little bit further at university and studied music in the UK. When you were making songs when you were younger, what was that process mm. like? Sorry, just to interrupt, like what... Were you playing on the guitar and writing stuff, or what was that like? Yeah, mainly piano and voice. Okay. Um, yeah, and um, it got a little bit more serious from about year nine to sixth form, and then um, and then I carried on at university. But at the kind of more vocal training that I did, the more I sang a lot of classical stuff and a lot of choral stuff, and so I went through a time of kind of feeling like I was more of a musical interpreter than a creator which um, just wasn't, it didn't sit quite right. And I think there was a confidence thing there too. Um, so my third year of university, I, I did a sort of AP, really, really, like, sounds very different to what I do now. But um, before then, I hadn't actually imagined myself in a studio or behind controls. I always thought that I'd be the vocalist and somebody else would be at the controls and I'd maybe describe what I think should happen or um and so I was doing this EP at uni and I was finding it hard to have the language to kind of say what you know downworld I had in my head and I was working with an engineer and he left the room to go and have lunch or something and I got on the controls and just started messing with it and suddenly I kind of got close to what I was after just through experimenting and tweaking until the sound arrived that I was wanting and so um yeah and I didn't get deep into production after that but that was definitely my first experience of, of being in control of the sound world yeah and so that was that was it that was the start of the journey and then I I released a few things and had some really great feedback and um it did pretty well on like BFM radios and I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is cool. Um, and there we go. And, and so I've moved 
I've taken a bit of a leap and gone from kind of self-producing to producing other people this year. Oh, that's exciting. And what's that leap been like for you from going from working on your own stuff to working for other people? Yeah, I think it is very different. Um, I think it requires a lot of confidence. You're no longer just kind of in your own safe space, kind of not having, you know, you're not having to communicate to anyone uh, or justify what what you're kind of trying when you're by yourself. So you can be very much in your own world and you can work very fast. Um, but when you're working with other artists, you really have to listen and um, take in what their dreams and aspirations are and what their sound world is, what kind of sonic space they want to inhibit, inhabit. Um not inhibit that's completely (laughs) the opposite um and so there's so many other things to take into account and um and so yeah it has it has been a big learning curve yeah I can imagine I'm interested when you start working with an artist how does it begin is it like you message them and go oh I'd really like to work with you or do they approach yeah um there's been a there's been a couple of like both ways, um, I've been approached as somebody who, um, as a, I think one artist wanted to work specifically specifically with a woman um, because some of the content of her songs was really um, sensitive and, and personal and she'd had bad experiences in the past um, with other producers. So that was sort of a reaching out from her and then... There are some artists um, that you just kind of, you hear a song, you hear like a singer-songwriter play, and you're just like, I know what could happen to that. And so, it's yeah, it's a bit of a mix. And I'm I'm still a bit in the early days of producing others, so that might change. But, um, yeah, it's cool. It's a whole other world. Yeah, well, and so when you start working with an artist, do you have a sit-down session and just talk through ideas, or do you get straight into it? What does that look like? Um, definitely, it's really important, I think, for me um, to get a real sense of of the the personality of the artist and and to feel how what the chemistry is between us, um, because I think that's really important creative chemistry um, to ensure there's going to be good flow and obviously that. Two, any two people coming together there's going to be a different vibe that kind of comes out so spending a bit of time just getting to know each other um, I often like to know what the dreams and aspirations of the artists are so that I can talk to that and help that um, even if it's just you know like a step um, and and then really understand also you know what their uh, reference tracks are what their who their inspirations are so I can visualise and hear the sound world. I'm interested in how do you find a middle ground between bringing your own sound world to a project and your own kind of flair and mixing that with what an artist wants? Are you someone who likes to put your own spin on things or try and get exactly what the artist is looking for? Yeah, that's such a, a good question. And I think one that a lot of producers think about because it, you know, you you really want to serve the artist. You want their sound world to 
um, be what leads everything. And that's, that's how I try and go. But obviously I'm going to bring with me a palette, um, listening experience, um, tools and skills that, that are just like imbued with me. And so completely removing that from the picture is probably like a lifetime practice. Um, but as much as possible, I try to remove myself. Yeah, and when an artist is coming to you for your sound, what do you think they're imagining? What would they um, stereotype as the Anna Edgington sound? I think vocal processing is probably one. Um, this kind of... The, maybe a sort of like a, a darker... Um, it's really it's hard to describe your own sound, isn't it? Kind of yeah, like a, a dark um, with a with focus on you know like textures and sound design. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you talk for a minute a bit about what your vocal processing is? Because it is quite unique to you what you do. Yeah. Um, so I really love uh, vocal rises like creating my own vocal rises. Um, I like to resample melodies like in my own stuff. And when I've been struggling with a part of a song and somebody else's stuff, I might like resample their melody, chuck it into the granulator in Ableton or um, sampler and just find new little hooks that might be kind of fun and that might take me to another... Kind of, which might open up new ideas or, you know, where to go to next and stuff. So, what are your go-to vocal plugins? Yeah, um, I used to actually do a lot of it in in Ableton and the audio editor file. Um, I used to just go into transpose the formants and and kind of play with the envelopes and stuff. Um, but then. Little Older Boy, Sound Toys is the go-to for a lot of people and I've been finding that kind of handy. You said earlier that you were always quite drawn to sound design. What, what in particular was it about sound design that drew you in? Um, well, I, I think that sound has always been like my main sense. And so, you know, for some people it's visual, some people it's touch, smell, you know, sound has just always been really alive for me and I think when you start to hear like when you go down the rabbit hole of really listening like your you know your audio cortex and whatever parts of the brain that are involved and I haven't looked deeply in, in the neuroscience but you hear more and more and more and all kinds of sounds become really beautiful are you a fan of using found sounds in your productions? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing so more and more. Um, I think found sounds can really pop off the speakers. So um, if you're adding like a crunch of a leaf to the transient of a kick or um, cabbage is a really a favorite one of lots of people chopping cabbage. For, really? For a snare. Or, um, yeah, 
And so I think they can really, found sounds can really bring especially beats alive. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm definitely going to be using that cabbage trick at some point. I'm interested, when you're listening to music, do you find it hard to switch off that production analytical mindset or are you able to sit back and relax and just enjoy a song? Bit of both, you know, like I'll, if I hear something that I'm really inspired by, which production-wise I can, that I aspire to do or like that's on a level that I want to get to, then I'll just stop whatever I'm doing and just listen and listen again and again. If it's music that's kind of outside of my aesthetic world, I might just listen to, for pleasure. But yeah, even then I'm, I'm sort of listening to placement and um, vocal processing. How, how do you find new music these days on Spotify or YouTube? What's your process for that? I, <laughs> I was a little stubborn with Spotify for a while just because I felt like it really wasn't reimbursing artists fairly at all. But I've now succumbed to just the range of stuff you can listen to there. And, you know, like the algorithms are super, super clever, though I think I'm always tricking it because I'm listening so broadly that like, my Discover Weekly is so like, weird and ranging. Um, but I do try and, like, reach out of my algorithms um and then friends sort of suggesting things in Bandcamp and following labels on Bandcamp and supporting that way as well with um, is discovering new music an important part of your creativity do you need like these sources of oh these are some cool ideas to draw on in your own work yeah it's really interesting um I think about this a lot because when you're deep in a project you sort of don't want to listen to anything in case it knocks you off your, I don't know, your, your focus or your train of thought. Um, so I go through phases of just not wanting to be influenced, like trusting the listening that I've done for months before this point and going, that's all, that's all still there. I just need to kind of go into my own sound world for a bit. Um, and then other times when you're feeling really receptive to listening to things to really inspire your production process or ideas. Yeah, that's really interesting. Should we talk influences for a second? Who are some of the big producers that have influenced you in your life? Um, I think I've always looked up to Bjork, and I know a lot of us say that, but she's, you know, her fearlessness with sound and songwriting and lyric writing and it's just amazing and she was you know really leading movements and she's just fearless yeah and I don't think I think in the early days of her production and even when she was working with Arca she's she wasn't getting the credit for her production and she was doing most of it if not all of it and so she's had to kind of fight to retain her autonomy I think or perception of her autonomy Arca um, is another like inspiring musician producer because they the way they fearlessly um, create sounds and straddle that world between like mainstream and totally left field and 
do that with such confidence and like fuck everyone this is who I am what I want to do like I love that is that something you reckon you want to have in your music that fearlessness of pushing boundaries yeah yeah I can definitely feel when I'm being too careful Mm. when I'm being self-conscious and and I think in New Zealand there isn't much fearless boundary breaking and that's going to yeah, be quite a con- controversial thing to say oh <gasps> um and so it's i mean there are some incredible artists in new zealand who are definitely yeah. doing that um but you know having talked to them it is it is hard because it's hard to find a, mm-hmm. a place in the industry well i mean i'd love to also talk a bit about your phd that you're working on at the moment that's really interesting uh-huh. on looking at gender diversity in the New Zealand music industry. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm doing a PhD at Massey um, at the moment. I'm just over halfway through. And I'm looking at um, gender disparity in music production in New Zealand. And so, I mean, I think everybody sees that there there is disparity. Um, and so, you know, the stats are there all across, you know, the Western world. Um, the stats show like major disparity. Um, very, very few women, gender diverse people producing. There are lots of different aspects to the PhD. Um, but hopefully by the end of it, there'll be some really, really awesome um, sort of like suggestions for how we can move forward and ensure that in 20 years time, there's a whole range of incredible people producing other people. You've recently started a record label. Are some of these ideas playing into what you're trying to achieve here? Yeah. So, um, Esther Dalton, Esther, um, wonderful, incredible producer artist based in Wellington. Um, also a great friend of mine. We had kind of similar wants to, create a label that um, released and um, shone a light on incredible artists who often don't get a look in in New Zealand kind of labels, whether indie labels or big labels, because they don't fit the kind of the New Zealand mold. Um, and and so, yeah, Esther had this idea of Blue Riot, and I said, oh my God, like, please, if, if you need some help with that, just let, let me know. And she did uh, let me know. And yeah, and so I've been kind of building that slowly but surely for the last like nine, ten months and released some, some incredible music. I really want to ask you because I saw that you had um, some hearing loss issues earlier in the year and I want to ask what that experience was like because I know for pr- hmm. producers that's kind of worst nightmare Oh man, it was, it was scary, but like anything, you know, the prospect of going through something like that is always worse than the actual thing happening because you, you kind of, you kind of have no other option of just like surrendering and going, okay, it is what it is. What can I do about it? Um, and so yeah, it, it was horrible 
in, in many ways because it was around the time when I was submitting a lot of work for my PhD. Um, and so the fear of, I couldn't hear my mixes, you know, I, and my bass, I lost like most bass frequencies in my right wow. ear. And then a big dip in, in like from about 2K to 10K where a lot of the clarity is. And so I, I just, it was a little bit of a head fuck because I didn't trust my ears anymore. And so losing that was a bit scary. Mm. Um, but I got through and I had really understanding people around me who, um, sorry, that there's some noises coming from below me. It's my dog <laughs> messing some of my percussion instruments. That is all fine. <laughs> He's trying to make a beat with my shakers. Well, shall we move on to the next segment of the podcast, which is called Nerd Chat. So in this segment, I ask you five quickfire nerdy production questions and you, you answer. Okay, number one, <laughs> favorite plug-in instrument. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Do I need to answer really quickly? Really quickly. You know what? I really like good old Massive. Massive? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a synth. Um, like I've managed to get a lot of mileage out of massive and like processing i don't like to use the raw um plug, uh, presets a lot but mm. you know i tend to fuck with them and i find that if there's a good kind of foundational sound you can do anything number two favorite plug-in effect <gasps> um ah oh, sound toys effect rack um mm. there's a long crystal sweep that i really like yeah cool uh vocal chain You've kind of already broken that down for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of harmonizers, um, um, saturators, like crunchy. Um, oh, sometimes I really like to auto pan stuff to create like a percussive effect on like layered vocals. That's always fun. And auto pan that can be tremor later in sound toys or just like the inbox. Um, and if you can chain like five auto pan things to get all kinds of different um, rhythms. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, what's your setup like currently for producing? Um, it's pretty small. It's, I've got, um, my friends have lent me these beautiful little Genelac monitors. I've got a, a Motu, um, can't remember how many channels, it's a good amount. Um, I've got a MIDI keyboard, I've got an Ableton push. I've got a really shit microphone at the moment. Um, that I need to replace, but, but what mic is that? God, oh, I'm not even going to tell you. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got a little mini log, and a, f- a friend has lent me um, a JDXA Roland, which is like Space Machine in a synth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a few really cool pieces, but I think sometimes when you've got a limited amount of tech, you're actually more creative. Yeah, that's really cool. Would the Ableton push to use that quite a bit? Yeah, though actually, like ergonomically, like the the buttons I find really stiff, and so actually ah. I prefer to play beats and stuff and yeah. enter a MIDI keyboard. I just find it more intuitive, maybe because I'm a piano. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. And number five, is there a piece of gear that you want to get in the future? Um, when maybe post PhD when I'm not a student anymore, I want to get into some more modular stuff. Mm. Um, I think that would just be a rabbit hole that I would yeah. go down. 
Um, but actually, right now, I'm craving a real piano. Mm. Like, I really miss having a real piano. Well, shall we maybe move on to having a look through a session, if you're okay with that? Yeah. So this is a tune that I uh, have produced for Aerith. Okay. What's, um, do you know what the name of the, the tune is? Is it? The working name is 7-2. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, we kind of went through quite a few different iterations just trying to find the right sound. And to me, mm. like it's a really beautiful, like slightly melancholy tune. Um, I think this was actually a tune that I kind of brought my palette to the most in, in the stuff that we worked with together. Um, it's not a good or bad thing, but the way we would release it would probably be sort of more like Aerith featuring Edie or the yeah. other way around. Well, I, ha- I have to start by asking, what's the thinking behind the, the skin for Ableton? It's very bright for those that can't see. It's like the white, the oh, white yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, the grey Ableton skin just was so depressing to me. <laughs> and when I realised you could change it to like a way more colourful, white, sunny colour, yeah. I was like, hell yeah. Okay, well, do you want to play us a bit of the track? Okay, so, um, yeah, this is a tune by um, Aerith, um, a.k.a. Kelly. I'll just maybe just play parts of it. Yeah, go for gold. I wanted him to watch me through the crack of the door I told him to Wow, that's amazing. I love it. Oh, thank you. I feel like it's still a work in progress, but I think that's how it always feels, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, Definitely. oh, what is that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's um, awesome. Yeah, do you, should we go through and have a listen? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, just talking about some of the vocal processing maybe, um, there is a part in the bridge where I felt like I wanted it to suddenly go into a different world. Um and I sort of made this vocal pad. So I kind of, I think I just wanted to create quite a, like an introspective, but a real beautiful bridge, um, just as a kind of like a, an air pressure change um, in the structure of the song. And yeah, and I, I'm really careful of putting my voice into other people's work because I think immediately that can sort of take it into kind of more of an ED space. Um, but my creative gut was just like, this is this is what I should do here. Um, yeah. Was that a discussion you had first about, oh, are you okay to do that? Or do you just do it and go, hey, by the way, I've just put my voice in. What do you think? Yeah, I think I did. Uh, we had a discussion sort of right at the start of a process together of, of you know, when I might try that, if, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, but I think it's definitely like a song by song, like a case by case yeah. thing. Could you talk maybe a bit about what's the main synth in the track? What's, what did you create that with? Yeah, so um, 
then there's a nice kind of detuned one and um, we had the wonderful Leo Cugini um, play that in for us and I think this particular one where he made out of serum okay. um, yeah and yeah it's really nice that sort of just glued it together I had um, sort of placeholder sense but I knew that he could provide some voicings that could you know really help the track um, Just that little bit of like four to the floor side chaining just yeah. helps the beginning of the song because we really leave the any kind of rhythmic, you know, beat element until quite late, which is kind of going against, you know, what people suggest. Like, but you know, we don't care. Yeah. Um, and so just having elements to really help the pulse or help the listener feel the pulse is really important. And I think we maybe did that through tremolator or. A side chain I can't quite remember, but um, yeah, no, I love I love that sound. Is that something you do quite often in productions? Is getting other people to like give ideas of maybe instrumentalists and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like I've done it with percussionists a few times, mm. um, and Leo is just like a awesome Swiss Army knife. And it can really, really add things. And of course, it depends on um, budget. We were lucky yep. enough to get the um, new development fund. And so oh, I okay, pay yeah. Leo. I really don't like to not pay people. And so if I if I don't have any money, then I'll try and do as much as I can myself. Um, but if I can, I mean, getting incredible session musicians in is only going to add awesome stuff you know um yeah and marika she played bass on quite a few of these tracks marika hodgson she came around to my place one day and just smashed out a whole bunch of beautiful lines that um a lot of the time i'll use synth bass but for uh, kelly's stuff it really needed some marika magic so yeah do you want to play a bit of the bass and maybe talk through what's on there yeah, oh, nothing too um, special. Let's have a look. I, feel, oh, I, I do have a mood base in here as well, I think. Um, what did you make the mood base with? Is that a soft synth? Um... Oh man, I can't remember for the life of me. Yeah, no, I think it was a soft synth. Um, I think Leo and I did that together. Yeah, I can't remember for the life of me, sorry. That's all good, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was definitely a soft synth because neither mm. of us have a moog with us at, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you want to play maybe the, the moog part? Just have a little listen. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so just very simple, um, very, very simple EQ, not wanting to take too much out because like Moogs are just so textured 
Um, but just assuring like that bottom end has just dropped. I think I probably afford to take a little bit more out the bottom end. Yeah. Um, and then sort of medium compression and then ready is like a really nice, have you ever tried this um, plugin ready? No, I haven't. Just a way of controlling the synth a little bit more and then a saturator here. Just giving it just a tiny bit more edge and color. Mm. If I just turn ready off, it's just just ready gives it a little bit more meat, you know. Yeah. But it's just the sound itself is so incredible. It's so powerful. It, went, it just fills up space. And powerful <laughs> and um, like the depth and the the detail is really cool. So I don't really have to do too much to it. Which is cool. Oh, cool. What other elements Good. do we want to have a little look at? Other elements. Um, I see got... that you, you've got a lot of like audio in the tracks. Is that something you prefer to bounce and work with audio over MIDI stuff? Yeah, well, um, I think when CPU overload becomes a thing, like um, working with audio is a lot better. And actually committing to audio means that you just fiddle less with with stuff, which creatively is a, a good way for me to just call some call a part done. Or um, yeah, just to make sure, you know, like there's nothing worse than having a session that just keeps like clipping out or um, you know, CPU overload just drives me crazy and it's such a like an obstacle for creativity that yeah, I tend to do a lot of freeze and flatten. But, um, yeah, because uh, Leo is in um, Logic, so we'd often bounce out things as audio to each other if we weren't in the same room. So um, that's why some of the audio is there too. Yeah, and how did you make the drums that kind of come in partway through? Yeah, so there's um, a couple of different patterns. Um, there is one layer that um, that is like a, a break that I um, a sample break so that's um, I think that's just this bit and that just like it took me ages to find the right EQ for that because it just sounds like so bitty like 8 bitty and um, when I put it quite far back in the mix, it kind of just added like a, a lo-fi element that I think this track needed. Um, and then the kick, I can't quite remember how the, the kick corresponds to that, but I might just play it. Um, So yeah, there's like elements of real lo-fi crunchiness and then like shiny other bits and then, um, yeah. And like a little subby kind of like 808 squelch. Um, yeah, and then um, 
And then using synths as percussive elements too, just to kind of oh, okay. add swells and... Um, You know, just to mark the start of the bar. Snaps. This is a vocal idea that we used, but she, Kelly didn't like it. Yeah, but we didn't use that in the end. Yeah, um, and what was that synth? Um, doing the percussive thing. That's uh, Diva. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a serum, serum center. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of kind of um, sonic elements that are just helping a little bit. Yeah, um, let's put all of that together at the same time. Hopefully after a really good mix, that will all sit a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Because there's so much happening, you know, like it's, um, some of the bits need to get out of each other's way. I was going to ask, um, what was the 808 you used on that? Was that a s sample? Yeah, that's, um, oh man, what's it called? It's so funny and it's so fun to use. Uh, is it King, King 808? I haven't heard of it, no. Kings, maybe? It's a pretty bold move. I mean, it's like, it's so in your face. It's, it it's just, awesome. <laughs> it's such a character. Like, you can't get away from that character. So um, it was a little bit of a, like, a, whoo. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. It immediately um, stood out to me. I was like, wow, that, that's such a cool way to wait. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I just I want to get the right name for it. I think it's Kings. Yeah, there's there's a few um, really nice options because I've always loved. I've always really loved when bass leads or when there's a melody, like a really mm. prominent melody in a bass line. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of that for my own stuff. And maybe that comes from being a vocalist as well. I think it's interesting sometimes hearing how vocalists place where they place bass and yeah. um and how they kind of create the melody for bass as long as it's still serving a purpose to really underpin and root the sound um yeah are there any other elements you want to have a little play through the vocals again they need a really good mix so um kelly does a lot of her recording just with a a 57 Oh, really? Um, at home. Yeah. And so just kind of like finding, and there's something really honest that I like about it. And a mm. lot of her, the takes that she sends me are really emotionally have everything they need. And so I've really tried hard to find 
to kind of process it in a way that we don't need to redo the vocals, which is really naughty. Like I'd probably be told off by producer circles, but um, I quite like the low fineness of them. Yeah. So is the is this vocal recorded on a fifty seven? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, it's it's so clear and it's it's right there. Oh, yeah, and I, I try not to do too much. Um I think, you know, if if the vocalist has good kind of you know how some vocalists kind of have more mouth sounds than others, like I have a lot of mouth sounds and so I have to do a lot of editing, but for Kelly she doesn't. It's like a real awesome thing. Um and so I try not to do too much. I mean, for this I've got real simple EQ, um, reverbs. And those are just the stock chorus. Ableton ones as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to say that I'm, Why I'm not? still using you know? those stock oh. ones. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and, I, you know, it's really easy to get bogged down in, in real detailed um like mixing stuff when you're producing, but I find that I can't go there because I'm going to be tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and losing sense of the overall song. And I know that come mix time or when I've finished the creative part of the song, I can then go back and tweak. And so I just try and do like minimal stuff, unless I'm really going for process sounds. Um, like sometimes I'll do more processing on a chorus than I will a verse in order to make it pop. But yeah, just trying to keep it real as simple as possible. Yeah, yeah. And was the song written before? So had she written it and then sent it to you to work on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the our process was um, she had um, some knowledge of Ableton, so she would record um, like a few elements, like a skeleton demo. And then, um, yeah, so in, she'd send me a session and then I'd open up and have the, the verses and the chorus and then we'd work out, you know, awesome ways that might help me, like these markers. We haven't labelled them here, but, you know, I've got markers for the different um, sections of the songs. That was really helpful for her as well and just kind of making sure it's laid out. So part of my want... Uh, when I started working with Kelly was to help upskill her in production so that she could create like stronger and stronger demos or even start to self-produce if that's where she wanted to go. Um, but at least have the language for when she works with producers to kind of say what she wants. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. It's a very unselfish motivation, not like, oh, I want more work. It's like, I want to help you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for all uplifting each other then like just there'll be I don't know the 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 community and and the whole like New Zealand's scene will just get bigger and bigger and and you know I know that not everybody thinks like that but I, I do find that when people start to get possessive and and sort of just out for themselves that's when people can get walked over and burnt and uh, treated badly and but I, I also know that's a really competitive business and people need the work and yeah it's a it's a funny one it's a hard one 
Cool. Well, thank you for showing us through the session. That, that was awesome to have a look into what you did on that. That was great. Oh, thank you so much. Cool. Well, shall we move on to the last segment of the podcast, which is called One sure. Second Songs? One Second Songs. Um, okay. So what this is, is I'm going to play you five songs that you have produced or been a part of, but you're only going to hear one second. And the last one is going to be reversed, and you need to tell me the name of the song. Okay, cool. <laughs> Are you up for it? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, sh- shall I tell you the leaderboard? No. I don't think I don't that will to. help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Here is number one. Can you name that song? <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh my gosh. You can hear it is again that? if you'd like. Yeah, is that okay? Sure thing. Is that Spotlight? That was Last Wish. Oh, right. Shit. That's an old one. Close. <laughs> Close. Is it Eddie or Edie? Your Edie. Edie? Okay, cool. Okay. Name. That's all good. Number two. Oh, that's um, that's Pacific Heights, Lost Light. Forgotten <laughs> Times. Forgotten, Forgotten Times. Forgotten Times. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not going well. <laughs> but you, you, got, you got the right artist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number three. Here we go. Um, it's Be Who You Are by Eddie. Correct. Me. Nice. Number four. That's Spotlight. That is Spotlight. Yeah. Oh, you're bringing it back. You're bringing it back. Final one. This is a tricky one. This is going to be reversed. Shit. Extra hard. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, once more. I feel like I chose a difficult part of the track as well. Sounds cool. Oh, that's, um, I know what that is. Um, oh, it's a really, it's like really old one. Um, oh my gosh. I chose a I tricky one is. to finish on. Um, people don't them people. Um, oh no, I can't remember what it's called, Tan. <laughs> uh, it's called Down In Here. That's right. That's the one. I knew I f- it. I feel like we'll give you a half point for that because you were able to sing it as well. Thank you so much. That was a very it good effort. great, reverse. Yeah, that, that was really cool. Sounds way... <laughs> yeah, I like Anything that. Anything reverse yes. is pretty cool. I know, right? Cool. Well, last question is kind of artists and producers out there in New Zealand, would you like to shout out who you reckon are doing amazing work at the moment? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'd like to shout out to Esther, who's doing incredible stuff. Um, Marika Hodgson, she did beautiful work um, with Diva and has worked with a couple of other awesome artists. Um, my friend Ellen up in Auckland, she's just come back from London. Um, she had a residency at the Roundhouse but had to come back from for COVID stuff and oh, she's okay. doing amazing work. Yeah. Um, um, Abigail Nudson, Villette. Yeah, um, Abigail's awesome. We had her on the podcast already. Awesome. 
yeah, Valette's incredible. She's not, um, I think she's busy doing a theology degree at the moment, but oh, wow. she's, um, she's a powerful woman. Um, and yeah, Mara TK is incredible. Mm. It's so inspiring. Um, I think Coco Solid, like, is just doing incredible stuff, building community and creating platforms, finding new ways of showcasing incredible um, artists. Yeah, so much good stuff happening. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us about these artists and coming on today and chatting about your music. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram under the production line. I'd like to have a big thank you to today's guest for joining us and taking the time out. I'd also like to thank APRA for supporting today's podcast, as well as Isaac Rajan for the artwork and the many artists whose songs were played in this episode. If you like today's podcast, you can find more episodes coming out weekly, interviewing New Zealand's top and emerging music producers. My name is Tampi Kay and I'm a producer, songwriter and musician. You can find all of my music on streaming services, as well as today's guests. Thanks for listening.